chromosomes. Little strands of nucleic acids and proteins are the fundamental genetic instructions that tell us who we are at birth. Most people are born with 46 chromosomes, but each year in the United States, about 6,000 people are born with an extra chromosome, making them a person with Down syndrome. If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and mother to Allie, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. I am thrilled to have Cabinet Howard on the show today. Cabany is the CEO at Kaleidoscope Management Group, offering strategic marketing and communication services in the real estate, healthcare, and technology industries. So, Cabany, I am so excited that you are here today. Thank you, Lisa. Every time you and I are together, it's just so much fun. We have so many fun things to talk about, and I can't wait for our listeners to hear more about your story. Thank you for having me, and your energy is contagious. <laughs> So let's just dive in. What was growing up like for you? So I'm a proud St. Louisan, and part of that was just wanting to enjoy the things that St. Louis is so special about, but also having grown up here, I was ready to, when it came time for college, take off. And so one of the things that growing up in St. Louis did for me was give me a real Midwest family-oriented mindset that ultimately was the thing that lured me back. But um, I grew up living in the city. I love the Central West End. We live there now. And that, I think, is a big part of what shaped me growing up. And we commuted to the suburbs for a while, went to high school in Ladue. But that kind of gritty city city girl roots always was a very much a part of me. You are an adventurous type person because I think that you did even study abroad. So when I was in college, I went to Lyon, France. I went to the University of Lyon. And at that time, I realized I wanted to come back and stay for good for a while. So after graduation, I returned to France and lived in Paris for a little over a year. So I got that out of my system. But man, living in Europe was always a, a goal. Well, that's awesome. You you accomplished that goal, right? I did. I did. And you have a degree. Don't you have a degree in French? My undergrad was in art history and French. And French. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. So you've done a lot of different things career-wise. I think you even started at an art gallery, right? I did. <laughs> yep. My background is very much like a quilt. I love it. I love it. Talk to us about how did you go from the art gallery to <laughs> to a corporate position at Peabody? Well, it's fun to tell that story because I think that I can be an example for folks that may have majored in a liberal arts degree and to show that many people's path is linear. 
And I always felt a little bit strange that mine wasn't linear. And I remember going out after having majored in art history, how many people said, I mean, what will you ever do with that? And Mm so I really had to overcome, I think, a lot of people thinking that has no vocational application. And so I spent a lot of time basically just explaining to people or convincing what you can do with an art history degree. And I was able to convince enough Ronnie Greenberg, who still today is a mentor of mine. He ran a very prominent art gallery, both in New York and St. Louis, and was cool enough to hire me. And that was one of my very first jobs out of school. I had interned one summer at Sotheby's in New York, and it just kind of gave me that bug. And so what I loved about the gallery was the business side of it. And Mm. so at that time, I started really thinking about how I would parlay my interest in the arts for the future. And I knew it was not in a museum, way too quiet. I'm way too talkative and extroverted for a museum. (laughs) And even the gallery life, you know, it was changing so much. It was all happening in New York. And the gallery environment was not about people walking by. When's the last time you walk by a a window and decide to buy a million dollar painting? It was just the dynamic of that business was changing so much that it inspired me to go out and really pursue what else was out there business-wise. And making that switch from the gallery to corporate America, was an unbelievable leap. And a lot of people just said, I cannot picture you in corporate America. And I almost did it to prove them and maybe myself wrong. So how did that happen then? I I met with so many hiring managers. I went from company to company and ultimately it was through an introduction, a relationship where someone said, you know what? She may not have been in the energy industry. She may not have majored in something to do with the energy space, but I know she's smart, I know she's hardworking, and I know she can connect dots. Mm -hmm. And so I was given this opportunity to become a manager of really communications and human resources. So it was a really nice blend between communications, but that also had implications for workforce development, workforce engagement. And I always still remember the person that said, you know, hard skills are teachable, the soft skills are not. I remember exactly where I was on Market Street when we had that conversation, and I thought, I think he's going to give me a chance. And five years later, I was working on some really high-profile, prominent change management activities related to acquisitions, advocacy campaigns. And so it's just a real source of pride that I was able to pretty much overcome every objection because Mm -hmm. I got a lot of doors closed in my face when I said an art history major looking for a job with, you know, a Fortune 100, Fortune 500. Right. But that person certainly saw something you. Those core skills, like you said, you're intelligent. They knew that you could figure it out. You're a hard worker. Those are things that are sometimes hard to teach. That was so encouraging, especially at a time when I had gone and met with so many people. Him saying that, it kind of turned a light bulb on in my Mm -hmm. head. Like, yeah, he's right. You can go and learn some of those hard skills, but Know, the other the other skills are a little bit harder to teach. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I remember I love Southwest. So the Southwest way. I've read a lot about Southwest, and that's what Herb Keller used to say. You know, so true. It's like you know, train for the skills, but you Isn't know, look true? at these other core competencies and hire for that. It's a great point. We mm-hmm. were just talking myself and a colleague about Southwest yesterday. The fact that we can cancel up to ten minutes before a flight. I said, what they are doing is so important, and it's so admirable. And that's Mm -hmm. just one more example. I totally agree with that. All about the customer, right? That's it. Customer centricity. And I know that's a great segue because it's kind of what you're helping companies with today and telling their story. So you were at Peabody, had a very successful career there. I did. And what, five years ago, you decided to jump on to the entrepreneur wagon. I did. And you founded your current company, which is? Kaleidoscope Management Group. 
and I have not looked back. That took courage. What was it that you said, you know what, I think I'm going to go do my own thing now? I've thought a lot about that period in which I was deliberating whether to make the change or stay in a very steady, reliable, salaried position. And I think that what I've learned from that period is that everyone has their different levels of risk tolerance. And so mine was a very studied approach in risk. And so for the first six months prior to even embarking out on my own, I really studied, okay, what's my risk profile? What's my risk tolerance? And I kind of tried to stay within that. So even though there are stories of people jumping off of cliffs without a net, I kind of don't fit into that category because I have that Capricorn side of me that says, if I'm going to do this, it's going to be successful. And so part of making that so is making sure that you do have, I always say I have plan C's for my plan B's. So I was pretty much like setting up safety nets and trying to make sure that whatever I did wasn't going to too much put my family in jeopardy or do something that was so risky that I couldn't come back from it, let's say if it didn't work. And so I felt strongly enough about the fact that there were agencies out there being paid to do work that I a thought I could probably do better because I was on the client side. And I said to myself, what if I could start the firm that I wished had existed when I was hiring an agency? And so that's what really was the genesis of Kaleidoscope. And what those Mm -hmm. things were, were becoming a little bit more of an extension of a client's team. It was feeling transactional and not to say that the firms we hired weren't excellent. I mean, they were in high demand. They were making, you know, really great hourly rates. So it wasn't as though there wasn't a market for that, but I just knew for what I wanted out of a partner, I wanted to go be that. And Mm -hmm. so whenever I think about what those elements were, it was being an extension of my client's team delivering work that was meant to be a collaboration. And so if I turn something into a client, it's with the intention that we're going to get it to the finish line and it's going to be right. And not that I'm going to give you work that then you have to go and kind of trot to the finish. And then really just more than anything, I wanted to work with clients that valued relationships as much as we did. I want to be working with you 10 years from now. Whereas a lot of the agency relationships, it was sort of like, how long's the budget? Let's knock out whatever we can do in a year. And then they're off to maybe greener, maybe more rich pastures. Whereas I really wanted to start building something that could be built to last. And how you do that is create long-term, sustainable, meaningful relationships in a transaction world. So, Cabany, I love the name Kaleidoscope Management Group. I love thank Kaleidoscopes. You. So where did that name come from? Well, thank you for saying that. We have loved it, and it's so nice to have a brand that I feel like has carried us since day one, and we have no intention of changing or, or moving away from that. And it's because when I described, actually to my husband, I should give him credit, yes. because when I described to him what I wanted for this firm, I said, it's like this. I've been in so many situations at companies where everyone has a lot of ideas and there are tons of initiatives swirling around, but it takes someone to actually harness all of that, bring it into a well-understood and thought-out plan. And so I said, it's kind of like being able to bring the complex into focus. And that was him segueing and saying, well, like a kaleidoscope. And ultimately, management group is because we harness talents of so many different people in our firm. So Mm -hmm. you come to us and you may say, I want box and dice. I want the full soup to nuts marketing support. For major brands, for example, we represent their marketing department. And so we're social you are, media. Are you their marketing department? We Kennedy? are. Okay. Yeah. All right. Social media management, media relations as needed. Sometimes we'll do strategic relationship building initiatives and we'll be you know, a strategic think partner for them. And so from a digital management standpoint, from a media relations and a reputation management standpoint, we are really an extension of their team. Mm-hmm. And so for us, bringing 
bringing the complex into focus can take so many different shapes. And management group is really us being able to provide our clients with a number of different services that you may or may not need all of them. So we've got top tier graphic design talent, but we work with firms as large as Emerson. They have graphic designers. So we'll work with them on hyper digital focused change management activities that for them, they may not have the in-house full-time employee capabilities, Mm -hmm. but what a great way for them to move strategic balls down the court with a partner that they can kind of turn the volume up or down and pick things a la carte. For instance, if you don't need our graphic design support, we'll be your project manager, we'll be your communications expert, and we'll be able to, you know, help you manage communications via digital channels and you don't have to hire full-time employees for it. Well, now you can't steal this, but <laughs> technology partners, we say we like to be the 360 solution. There you go. And it's really... Wish I had thought of that. Uh, yeah, you can't steal it. Okay, <laughs> Kevin. Um, but, you know, if we're not doing it in-house, we have trusted partners that we bring in, but they're all SMEs That's in exactly their particular right. area. Perfect way of putting mm-hmm. it. So when I said management group, and it was actually our friend that we have in common, Laura Herring, who's a very important mentor to me, she actually said, you know, what you're doing is more than just providing a communications service. You are harnessing talents and ultimately the management of various SMEs Mm -hmm. is part of our value proposition. Mm -hmm. Very good. You know, I don't know if you can talk about this or not, but I have looked at some of your posts and, you know, you talk about gratitude, how important that is. I saw a post on being kind, a company that exhibits kindness and how important that is in the reputation of the company and culture. Can you do a deeper dive on any of that? Oh, I would love to. Those are two of my favorite topics. And I spend a lot of time thinking about these concepts. The gratitude piece, I think, for our company is so important. And it's so central to, I see our employees share on their LinkedIn, how happy they are to work for a company that places gratitude at the heart of everything we do. And that just warms my heart so much because it's gratitude from an employer standpoint for our people. Mm -hmm. It's gratitude from the employee perspective that they get to work for a company like ours. It's gratitude for Kaleidoscope that clients trust us. And so it's just this incredible experience when you can really find meaningful gratitude that it's almost like jet fuel for the company. And so I try on a personal level to really remember it in my daily life. But I think if you can start to apply it more broadly and in a company setting, it's right there in our company values. And I think that it's something that everyone in the company says, gosh, I haven't worked somewhere where this is so central and I really like it. And when Mm -hmm. I hear that, that makes me believe that we're on the right path to continue to keep it central. Right. I can't quote it exactly, but, you know, I've heard it often said that people that are grateful are just happier people. The science supports it. That, right. It's so neat to see mm-hmm. some of that data coming out because mm-hmm. I've sort of inherently known it, but how nice that we could actually say Voice research it. is reinforcing that this isn't just a bunch of fluffy stuff. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Right. It and I think the is. same goes for kindness. You asked about that. And I think for me, the longer that the company has been in business, the more I'm thinking that this is something that I'd like to study over time. Is high performance and kindness or happiness, are they mutually exclusive? And I study companies of varying sizes and of varying success. And I think success depends for different people on different metrics. Mm -hmm. But I really would like to believe that companies can approach business and approach relationships from a place of abundance and kindness and still be hyper successful. Oh, I love that. Well, I want to take a deeper dive into that, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Kevin e. Howard. 
We at Technology Partners understand the difficulty to find work that is engaging, yields high pay, and facilitates a work-life balance. Over the past 25 years, we have enhanced the IT teams of over 244 client companies and placed more than 3,000 IT professionals with them on short-term or permanent basis. Our staff includes over 300 experienced IT professionals. So if you're looking to take the next step in your career, visit jobs.technologypartners.net, apply for a job, and one of our expert recruiters will be happy to connect with you. Cabining, it's so important for companies and their digital presence, and they need to pay attention to it. And I think I even read something, I may be putting words in your mouth, but where it's like you need to be paying attention to it all the time. 24-7. 24-7. It's round the clock. So talk about that and maybe give our listeners some ideas. So I think that I always say I could never have started this company even 10 years ago because there weren't enough tools even that recently that would give us the edge to be able to measure everything we do. And so I wouldn't want to lead a company whose connection to clients wasn't so sticky that we get to say, we measure everything. The ROI on the investment that you are making in marketing is absolutely measurable. And that is a huge source of pride for us. And digital and the move toward digital transformation is the way that we do that. And so with that ability to measure, one of the things that we've been extremely grateful for, whether it's our real estate client or our hotel clients, is we are at the heart of where the customers are. So we do B2B and B2C. And in the case of B2C, You talk about a hotel with a social media presence that's rocking and rolling. We are absolutely converting room bookings straight from our content calendar. And so while it may seem like a trivial thing, do I post once a week? Do I post five times a week? Those are not questions that we have to wonder the answer to. Mm -hmm. We have hard science. We have good data. We're big believers in dashboards. Not a single one of our clients has experienced any dip And in fact, they've all had upward growth trends in revenue and customer acquisition in the time that we've been working with them. And I think I would actually go so far as to say, if that weren't the case, we'd probably need to fire ourselves Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we are tied to our clients' growth, success, success. revenue, and metrics. And how fun Mm -hmm. is that? Mm -hmm. And so for us, digital transformation is about recognizing that depending on your industry, your social channels are probably more important than your website today. We have clients where we do 24-hour monitoring in the real estate business and healthcare where the client and the customer is skipping right over that website and they are direct messaging us on Facebook, they are direct messaging us on Instagram, and they're doing it on Twitter. And so for us not to be able to respond in a timely manner is a bad look on the client. And Mm -hmm. so they are so happy that they have a firm like ours that can be eyeballs to quickly rustle up a response. Some clients, we don't even need to run our responses by them anymore because we've been doing it long enough. But knowing when the judgment is to go to them and say, here's what we recommend you say. And the social channels really are replacing the website as a place for people to go and communicate with brands. That's so interesting. And for people that think, oh, you know what? It's not important Socials for are us. nice to have. We used to hear that. Mm-hmm. I'm not anymore. Not anymore. It's a must. So... I know you don't have a crystal ball, or at least I don't think you do, but what's around the corner? What's next? Do you know? Yeah. So for our industry, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Mm -hmm. I think the industry as a whole is going to continue to evolve and migrate much more into a, you can't talk marketing without talking analytics. You can't talk creative without talking measurement. 
no longer is a beautiful ad campaign going to rule the day. Mm -hmm. We're going to always be talking about beautiful creative in the same breath as we're talking about dashboards and metrics and outcomes and ROI, which to me, being a left and right brain and equal measure person is awesome. I'm Mm -hmm. excited about the future. And that's definitely where KMG is going. Mm -hmm. We want to continue to sharpen our saw. Every month we report on, you know, very specific metrics for clients, but we want to continue to customize those dashboards. We want to be the leading marketing expert to where when you know you work with Kaleidoscope, that connection to ROI is so tight that you can't help but want to keep us in the mix. Yeah, that's such a breath of fresh air because oftentimes you hear, well, you can't really measure it. You know, advertising is not something that you can measure. So I love hearing that because we believe in that as well. You You sure do. If you, you can't manage it, if you don't measure it, right? That's right. All right, so cabining. To borrow a line from Simon Sinek... What is your why? What is the why behind what it is that you do? My favorite question. So I've answered this a multiple of ways, but I think today, again, you're getting me at the five-year mark and I've been reflecting on this myself is twofold. My kids, I want to show my kids that their mom is number one, I'm their mom, but number two, we're so much more and we can both be an awesome mom and also build something. And so I believe in what I'm building and to be able to do that for them and show them that that's possible is actually very inspiring to me. Mm -hmm. So my kids for sure. And then also just for my fellow businesswomen, seeing that St. Louis just ranked number one on female founded startups how cool. And so to just be part of what I feel like is truly a movement, both nationally, it's happening in other cities, but Mm -hmm. our city needs good news so badly that to be part of the narrative that is shining actually a positive light on St. Louis is so special. And it's very both personally, but also professionally rewarding to be part of that momentum. Mm, Wonderful. I love it. Let's talk about something extra. Do you have a current or former team member that you have seen a something extra embodied in? And what was that? What a great question. So our team is honestly one of the greatest sources of pride for me as a leader. And they are the strength behind the the machine that is Kaleidoscope Management Group. And in thinking about that, I think the one thing that came to mind for me is an owner mindset. And I know that people talk about millennial generation and that is that a you know lost cause. I have living proof to say that there are team members that I am so fortunate to have that have an owner mindset. And what does that mean? It means that someone isn't going to tell me in a given day that's not my job or even give me the nonverbal cues that that's not in their job. Mm-hmm. It's thinking the way of an owner as though you live and die by the results of the company. And so when you find people like that, or when I find people like that, I keep them very close. And I want to make sure that they are very happy in their job because they're hard to find. But when you find them, the client feels it. There is no job too tall. There are things that happen on the weekend in our business where you can't believe the number of hoops that our people will jump through. And when I see that over email or over social media exchanges, I look at that and I think, wow, you are really putting yourself in the chair of someone that is running this company. And I think that's something extra because it's not in their job description. I do too. And you said you'd take somebody like that over a very highly technically skilled person any day. I would. Right? I'm reminded there was another guest on the podcast. There's another company here called Tropiclean. And I remember when they were in, they were saying the CEO 
we'll go and make coffee for everyone. There you go. Before people get there. Absolutely. And you said, you're not going to tell the names. You're not going to tell me any of their names. You'd recruit them right away. (laughs) You'd want them all. (laughs) Right, exactly. So I don't blame you. Hold those close to the chest for sure. So what about a leadership misstep that you or one of your team members have made? Can you think about that or missing something extra? Yeah. So I think when you're a startup, it's all about the hustle, right? I know Technology Partners has been around a long time, so the hustle may always be there, but I think when you're brand new and you're still wondering, is this going to work? The hustle is real, and what comes with that is busy. You're always fighting fires. You're making sure that if you're not busy, you feel like you're dying, or if you're not growing, then you're dying. And so I think sometimes that mentality can really get in the way of moving big rocks and making big, long-term, strategic impact. Mm -hmm. And so one of the missteps I think I would just tell on myself is that when you get busy, you forget to, you know, do the blue sky thinking and come up for the 10,000 degree view. And so I would just say one of my, you know, valued coaches and mentors says, and I'm sure you've heard it before, is just the concept of slowing down to speed up. And when I do that, oh my gosh, on paper, it feels strange because it's like we've got a to-do list of 400 things long. However, that to-do list really doesn't mean anything if you're not planning for the future and stopping to do the strategic planning and the meetings with your team to make sure that they understand the future and where we're headed. So I would say that probably is the thing that would trip us up the most is letting the to-do lists get in the way of that big picture mindset and where are we going? Right. I just said that to a team member yesterday. I said, sometimes, you know, you do, you have to slow down to speed up. And, you know, that planning piece and that blue sky thinking, like you put it, Kevney, is so important because, you know, if you're so busy, you may be on the completely wrong track. And you could chase your tail for the next 10 years and you wake up one day and you go, oh my gosh, I got a lot of things knocked off my list, but what was the there there? Yes, that's great advice. So talk to me about what do you believe is the something extra that every leader needs? You know, I think that as I get further along in my career, this answer would have changed about 10 times. But you're getting me at a time as we kind of round the bend on five years of having the company. I would say that self-reflection. I think there's this concept that you get to a certain place in your career and that seniority is right or that the higher up you are, you're probably well-intentioned and your, your ideas are great. But the more I get going, I think to myself, wow, if we can stop and actually look at where our strengths are, but also where we may have blind spots, there's such power in that. And so for me, I just get chill bumps talking about it. It's like you may have reached a position of leadership, but that absolutely doesn't exempt you from saying, what else am I going to do better or different today? Right. And so that's something I'm thinking a lot about is how do you continue to evolve and not just say, I've made it or I've figured it out and I'm just going to maintain status quo. <laughs> that is great advice. I love it. So Cabany, is there anything coming up that you want to tell our listeners about? Even you know, how they can connect with you? Absolutely. So I think one of the things that our team has looked toward 2020 about is specifically around the digital aspect of marketing. So keep an eye out for, we're going to probably be hosting a marquee event in 2020, just around specifically marketing and the digital space and data and measurement. So more to come on that front that we're really excited about, but it's still early days. And I think too, for us, 2020 is all about identifying the dream client and trying to point 
point your compass toward that, right? So we could go after thousands of prospects, mm-hmm. but for us, it's about trying to find that right cultural match for our firm to who we believe are our perfect clients. And it's so fun to think about it in that way, visionary, collaborative, and growth mindset. And so I would urge anyone you know, in the business of whether it's marketing or any industry, as you go out and make your growth plans, it's like who specifically, whether not industry, not vertical, not size of company, but mm-hmm. like an actual person. And so for KMG, at least in 2020, finding the visionaries, the collaborative folks, and those who are happy and ready to grow, we're going to be looking for them. Those are the clients you're looking for. So if you are in the listening audience and you are that type of person <laughs> or that type of organization, make sure you reach out to Cabany. Well, Cabany, this has just been such a pleasure. You, I just I I feel it. like I've had a little mini coaching session myself here. <laughs> well, so thanks. It was a pleasure. Thank you for being on. Thank you for listening to today's show. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc., 2019. For show notes or to reach Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.